Okay, John. Morning, Church. How are you? Happy, happy Easter. Um, it's great that uh, the sun is out, the sky is blue, in most areas of the world anyway, at least in, in the Tadley world, that is. If we've got people joining us from other parts of the world, I hope the weather is there, there is good for you. And as, as Easter starts, we are all sort of re-emerging as well. Well, I think we've, this is our sort of first or second week of being able to see other people in person and starting to emerge from our shells. So bless you this Easter, bless your families this Easter. Um, if you've got kids, um, I hope they're really enjoying themselves and enjoying the celebration that is Easter. And some of them may have even received eggs from the church. So thank, thank you church for blessing the kids with their real Easter egg company eggs, uh, which contain the story of Jesus as well. Um, which is, is so important, it's so, so central to this. And we've got a short video later with, uh, with kids educating us on, on the Easter story and giving, shedding some new light uh, on, on, on the Easter message. So we've seen that in a second. Um, Helen is on the chat this morning, so please do contribute, please feedback, um, and please you know, ask questions or make observations. Um, it's great when it's busy and we're all contributing. Um, a couple of things in terms of dates of this week, uh, it, even in the notices, it said that Keith uh, and Keith and Pat's uh, group was on on Tuesday. That is not the case. Keith and Pat's group is not meeting this Tuesday. Um, I believe it will be the following Tuesday. But there is a craft morning uh, on Zoom on Thursday the 8th at 10.15. So if you want to join that, uh, please see the notices for details. Um, it's it's, it's, a, it's a, a really good, uh, fun uh collaborative uh, morning uh, arranged by Paul Lee. Um, the elders would like to thank all the church for their feedback so far um, from the family night. We're still collating that. We're gonna be bringing it all together and reviewing it in the next leaders meeting. So there's not gonna be any immediate feedback on that, but we will be taking a look at it later in April. There's a few, few different leaders and elders have got holidays in the next couple of weeks. So we're, the first time we can meet is gonna to be towards the end of April. Um, and I'd just like to say a blessing over the whole church this morning. Um, so, dear Lord, I just thank you so much for Easter. Thank you for the hope we have. And the only reason why Good Friday was a Good Friday, because in many respects it was not a Good Friday, was knowing that Jesus was resurrected, that the stone was rolled away. And I pray that we would feel that sense of rebirth and sense of forgiveness and redemption and gratefulness for what Jesus did and the joy that comes this morning as we know he rose from the dead and he gave us that, that access to God, the Most High. I pray a blessing upon you all this morning and through the next week and beyond. Amen. So I mentioned earlier that there is going to be a video and as I said, there's, there's some new light shed on the Easter story by various contributors. So, uh, I hope you enjoy this video. Um, it's from uh, from YouTube, uh, and yeah, it, it speaks for itself. So I'm just going to share my screen and play. My daddy told me all about it. Okay. All of it. I have a game map there at my house, and it also records new games of Jesus. Long ago, Jesus and his disciples were at their Last Supper. There was Peter, Jesus, a 
I think Judas was there. Matthew, John, Thomas. There was one that started with an A. Andrew? Anyways, it might be Adam. Jesus was telling them that he was gonna die on the cross. They said, is that why we're having the feast? Like, so it's really true that you're gonna die. And Jesus told them, yeah, because the bread represents my body and the wine represents my blood. Jesus said, come here, and he washed their feet. Peter said, but you can't do this for us. You're Jesus, you're the God from above. But then Jesus said, no, I need to wash away your feet. Judas one day was walking and he saw these guards. And these guards were like, hey, do you want some money? We'll come and give you some. And Judas was like, hmm. Judas was paid a lot of money back then, which was probably like five dollars, five for four, to try to get Jesus to like fall into the trap, even though Jesus probably already knew it was coming. Judas went to the bad side, or known as the dark side. Jesus was arrested by those soldiers, and they forced him to carry this cross. And they whipped him and put a crown on him. Not like the shiny gold crown that a king would have. But I mean, it was just made out of, like, thorns. They took him upstairs and put him on a cross and nailed him on his hands and his feet. And all these people had, like, torches. They said, why do you save other people, but why can't you save yourself? I don't believe that he is the son of God. Stop it. This is not right. He's our savior. He's done miracles. Why are you doing this to him? And then he said, it's finished. And he died. They put him in a big hole. Oh, yeah, right. The tomb. And put a rock there. And the soldiers were guarding the big, big, giant circle rock so, so people wouldn't see him when he was dead. And then he raised three days later. The guard found that there was nobody in the grave. Jesus wasn't there. Jesus wasn't there. Jesus was gone. Then a lot of Marys came over to visit Jesus to bring spices to put in Jesus' tomb. They found an angel staying on top of the rock and they were afraid because they'd never seen an angel, I think. Where was Jesus? Um, he was from the dead. Jesus wasn't there anymore, only the cross. So the Marys were like, how is that happening? Like, how how on earth is this happening? How is he risen from the dead? Nobody's ever done that before. That's crazy. The angel's like, God did it, man. <laughs> so they were super shocked, and they went back to, their, to the other disciples. Hey, guess what? Jesus has arisen from the dead. He's not in his tomb anymore. The disciples didn't believe them because like, they might have not like, seen it. I don't know if Jesus is alive or not. Jesus appeared to a room where all his old friends were. Surprise! I'm rising in the front of you. <gasps> Was that a ghost? How is, how is this person risen from the dead? Is he like a zombie or something? He was like, it's true because I want to save you guys. And I'm not joking about this because when I'm talking when I'm talking about this kind of stuff, I don't joke about it. But you are Jesus, so I think we need to like go back to like believing in you and stuff. 
and Jesus told the disciples to tell everybody the good news. He was alive because he, he was magical and he said, if I've risen from the dead, I will return back to heaven and you will too if you believe in me as I, if I am your uh, savior. As soon as he was with his, his friends and he was praying, a fluffy seatbelt of clouds lifted him back to heaven. He was like flying and they were all like, what? Like all the, all the disciples were like, there's so many wacky things happening now. What's happening? Easter isn't really about getting eggs and eating chocolate or anything. Yeah, some people think that might be what it is, but it's not. It's a miracle how he put himself in the world with other people and he shared his gift with them. We honor Easter because we want to love him too. Well, so that was, uh, pretty, yeah, some rounds of applause there. That was pretty powerful stuff. And yeah, there was a few embellishments to have. But, uh, you know, I thought it was very wonderful. Ooh. Hold on a sec. Sorry, YouTube started playing the next video for me. Apologies for that in my ears. So you probably didn't hear it yourself. Anyway, um, so I thought that was really exciting. It's really fun just to see that the core of the Easter story is within there. And there may be one or too many Marys, but you know, we'll, we'll let them off that. I'm sure they'll correct themselves in due course. But it's lovely to have that sort of celebration that Easter story said in such a way. So what better time now to hand over to have some worship uh, John, are you ready to, uh, to 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 sing with us? Yeah, I'm ready. Can you hear me okay? Thumbs up. Good. Morning, church. The uh, it's it's always great to leave worship on an Easter morning because um, everybody's mind is sort of where we where we want it to be when we worship, isn't it? And um, we have a rotor. Val, Rob and myself and uh, we do it alphabetically and Easter Sunday fell on my letter which is just great so I'm leading today. I thought what we'd do is we would um, go on a journey together and the, the thing about singing Easter songs is that they often repeat the, uh, the crucifixion and the grave and the resurrection so I didn't want to do that three times over as it were so we're just going to go on a journey together uh, reflecting on Jesus death and of course his resurrection and the joy that brings us as his people and what we have to look forward to together in eternity think upon your sacrifice you became nothing poured out to death many times i've wondered at your gift of life and i'm in that place once again i'm in that place once again and once again I look upon the cross where you died 
saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain standing at the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne and when he had taken it the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever, forever, forever.
Jesus, we celebrate your victory together today. Lord, we've glimpsed our future. Thank you, God, 
that you are our hope. Lord Jesus, that you are our hope, our living hope, our resurrected hope. And we put our trust and our hope in you this morning, God. Amen. Wow, thank you, John. Uh, that was really powerful. A wonderful blend of the celebration of Easter, but also the picture of, of heaven and Jesus on his throne uh, from Revelation. Just uh, thank you for blessing us in that way and blending those different worship uh, songs together. Um, I'm just going to pick out a verse that you sang, which really resonated with me this morning. Um, then on the third break of dawn, the sun of heaven rose again. O trampled death, where is your sting? The angels roar for Christ the King. I can imagine Christ ascending to heaven, not today, of course, but at ascension, and just having those that resounding celebration in, in heaven of his return. So, so thank you so much for that. Now, we've got a special uh, treat this morning for Easter. Um, we have a video from uh, somebody from Hub Church called Dave Rebetz, who actually organizes trips to the Holy Land. And, um, uh, you know, part of his heart and his passion is for us to get a real sense of, of not just the story itself, but the historical impact of, um, uh, of, of the Easter story and, and the Christian story. Uh, and, and the fact is, it was in Israel uh, where all of this took place. So we're going to play that now, and um, it hopefully should spark some, some really interesting um, thoughts and impressions of what it was to be uh, in that land in Jesus' time. So I'm going to hand it over now. Well, good morning, Tabley Church. It's great to be with you this morning. In uh, case you don't know me, I'm Dave Rebetz, and I grew up in Tadley. I actually spent the first 20 years of my life there. I grew up in Swains Road, living in the very last bungalow, number 36. I went to school at the Hurst, so it feels a bit like coming home, and I'm so sorry that it's not in person. Rachel and I now live in Basingstoke, and I work with your Jonathan Dunn, one of my buddies. And Liz and Ali Jackson and I go back many, many years. I employed Liz when she was just 15 years old and uh, baptised her and Ali and the rest of the family uh, some years ago now, of course. They're great, great friends of ours. Well, alongside working with Jonathan and Liz, for the last 15 years, I've been the chairman of David Pawson's Teaching Trust. I've uh, got three grown-up children and seven grandkids. Where does life go? Well, I'd better get on with this as we've only got 20 minutes. And this morning, I'd like to talk to you about my favourite subject, my best friend, my hero, a man called Yeshua or Jesus. What better subject could we ponder together? Now, I've led many trips to Israel over the years. And uh, in the last decade, archaeology has come on leaps and bounds in that country. Much new has been discovered about Jesus' actual footsteps much that we don't have time to talk about today. But I've been asked to talk to you about the resurrection and the time leading up to and just after the resurrection to try to bring things alive by providing an insight into the real place and the happenings of that event. 
Now, the old city of Jerusalem is really quite small. It's about one mile square, virtually no roads, only walking paths. You can walk from one side to the other in 10 or 15 minutes, if it wasn't for the crowds at least. We don't know the site of the Last Supper, which was almost certainly John Mark's mother's house in the middle of the old city. We do know that Jesus left the house and went out of the city on the eastern side into the Kidron Valley. On the west and the south side of the city is the infamous Hinnom Valley, or in Hebrew Gehenna, which Jesus likened unto hell. But on this particular evening, Jesus entered the lovely Kidron Valley. This is the eastern wall of Jerusalem. The Kidron Valley was full of olive groves. Gethsemane means olive press. There are olive trees there today and some of them root back to the time of Jesus, 2,000 years old or more. Oh, how I'd love to talk to you about the events that took place on that particular evening, but we just don't have time today. From this place, we know that he was taken by the soldiers and the crowd past the high point of the temple. You can see it in this picture. Here he'd been tempted three years earlier by the devil. And it's here that his brother James the Just would later be martyred. He was taken up these very steps, 2,000-year-old steps, along the southern edge of the old city, just outside today's walls, but just inside the southern wall in Jesus' time. He was taken to be falsely accused by the high priest, a man called Caiaphas, and his father-in-law, a man called Annas, the previous high priest. We know that he was taken from there to the judgment gate of Pontius Pilate. You can see that here. It's been relatively recently uncovered. Pilate sent him to Herod Antipas. He was the son of Herod the Great. Herod Antipas was here at his palace next to the Jaffa Gate on the west side of the city. Jesus stood in dignified silence, much to Herod's great annoyance. He was then sent back to Pontius Pilate, and there the crowd called for the blood of Jesus, the Son of God, and they called for the freedom of Jesus Barabbas. Did you know that Barabbas' name was Jesus? And did you also know that Barabbas means Bar Abba, or Son of the Father? Jesus, the Son of the Father, was crucified, whilst Jesus, the Son of the Father, Barabbas, was set free. How interesting. He was taken to the Sanhedrin, which is a court built into the north wall of the temple, half in and half out. It was called the Hall of Hewn Stone, and here he was condemned. Though he was supported by at least one of the members of the Sanhedrin, a man called Joseph of Arimathea, a secret follower of Jesus, who later offered his tomb. We know that he was crucified to the north of the city, outside of the city walls, and on top of the long hill or mountain called Mount Moriah. On one end of Mount Moriah is the Temple Mount, where the Dome of the Rock Mosque stands today. Moriah continues to the north and beyond the city walls. Did you know that this is the very spot that Abraham took Isaac to be sacrificed? Well, in the end, God told Abraham, I do not expect you to sacrifice your son, but I will provide a way years later by sacrificing my own son at this very spot. 
One of the sites that seems to be in the right spot today is the garden tomb. He was crucified next to a busy road. As you leave this gate in the north, the Damascus Gate, the main road to Damascus passes the site of Golgotha. Now it was easiest to attack Jerusalem from the north, so a few hundred years before Jesus was born, the Maccabees had dug a long trench across Mount Moriah to aid the defence of the city against the marauding Greeks under Antiochus Epiphanes. And this trench was just outside the north wall and the cutting of the rock left a shape in the cliff of a skull. And Golgotha means the place of the skull. Now it was Joseph of Arimathea that asked Pontius Pilate if he could take the body and he was given permission. Seven to eight hundred years earlier the prophet Isaiah had written that Jesus would be buried in a rich man's tomb. Joseph wrapped Jesus' body in a clean linen cloth and he laid it in his new tomb. As I've mentioned, the current site of the garden tomb just outside the north wall of Jerusalem has a high chance of being the right place. It was found in the right location, in a garden. Inside the tomb, three cut-out stone beds had been hewn. One of the three had been hurriedly lengthened as it was originally made for a smaller person, but it was now being used to fit a different body. Most compelling is that archaeologists have discovered that a lean-to building had been built against the tomb in the first century and that many artefacts of Christian worship had been found inside. Well, we don't know for sure if this is the right place, but if not, it was something very like this. Mary Magdalene, or Mary of Migdal. Migdal was a village on the Sea of Galilee. She was not a prostitute, by the way, but she and another Mary, we don't know who, watched Joseph of Arimathea do all of this and decided to remain at the tomb after Joseph had departed. We're told that they sat together opposite the tomb. You can imagine their deep sadness. The following day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to see Pilate. They told Pilate that Jesus had claimed that he would rise after three days. So please, would you make the tomb secure until after three days? Otherwise, the disciples might steal the body and claim that he's risen and stir up real trouble. Little did they know quite how much trouble was headed their way. Pilate gave them at least one guard and told them to make the site secure. Now, three days after his crucifixion, the day had just begun to dawn and the two Marys at this early hour decided to go and see the tomb. I've often wondered why they went so early. Was it just a sorrowful check-up on the tomb? Or had they remembered his words that he would rise on the third day and they wanted to see for themselves? Well, now it all kicked off. There was a substantial earthquake. At least that is what it felt like to the watchers. At least one angel descended from heaven. We know that he looked quite young. But we know that he possessed great strength. He single-handedly rolled back the huge stone. Tiring work, I guess, because we're told that once he'd rolled the stone back, he sat upon the stone. He was a pretty fearful sight. His face was like Jesus' face at transfiguration, bright like lightning. His clothes shone. 
that is the Shekinah glory of God. It says that the guards shook with fear and they fell like dead men. The angel calmly spoke to the two Marys, please don't be afraid of me. I know who you are looking for, Yeshua, Jesus who was crucified. He's not here as you can see, he is risen. Come on inside the tomb and look where he was laid out. Once they looked inside, the angel told them to go quickly and tell the disciples that he was alive. And secondly, that Jesus had gone on ahead to Galilee, where you'll be able to see him face to face. He said, be confident that this is the case, for I have told you so. Well, they were left, we're told, with two emotions, fear and joy. I could just imagine them stumbling and crying and laughing as they ran back towards the Damascus Gate, back into the old city to John Mark's mum's house. Well, they hadn't got very far on that journey when Jesus appeared to them himself. He just stood there and said to them, Rejoice! An early description of Jesus said that few, if any, remembered him laugh, but many remembered him weep. I wonder what he did now. I suspect that there was a rare delight on his face when he saw them. He repeated the message, there is nothing to be scared about. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and we shall meet there. Mary of Migdal did just that. And when she arrived where they were staying, we're told that the disciples were still weeping in great sorrow inside. At first they didn't believe her, but soon Peter ran off. He ran to the tomb and he found it just as Mary had said. And it, we're told that he found it marvellous to be told. At least two guards now told the chief priests what had happened and we're told that they were paid a lot of money to keep silent. I often wonder about these two guards. Did they become followers of Jesus after what they witnessed? I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I'd like to see if I could hunt them out on the new earth. I'd really like to talk to them. Well, the 11 disciples made their way to Galilee. They found him at a mountain where Jesus had prearranged to meet and we're told that they fell at his feet and they just worshipped. And Jesus began teaching them, telling them what he wanted them to do. And over the weeks that followed, he revealed and opened up the scriptures to them and suddenly the full story began to fall into place and make sense. He would appear to them on and off over the next few weeks, but there was one occasion when he met with them with something important he wanted to say to Peter. Leading up to this, the disciples were by the Sea of Galilee. They were at this beach here next to Capernaum. It's a tiny and pebbly beach. It's the only beach in Capernaum where many of them lived. And Peter jumped up and said to them, I'm going fishing. Hang on, we'll come with you, they all replied and jumped in the boat and they caught nothing. All night they caught nothing. Next morning, a man on the shore that they didn't recognise suggested that they stop throwing the net off the port side of the boat and they try throwing the net off of the starboard side. Too many fish even to lift on board. They caught 153 in one pull. Now, I've been on a fishing boat on this lake and I've watched those nets being thrown in. It's very clever. But you catch three, four, fives at a time if you're lucky. 153. John, 
Jesus' best friend, turned to Peter and said, It's the Lord! I love the detail of the Bible. It says that Peter grabbed his outer garment, for he had taken it off. And he put it on, and he jumped into the sea, and he swam ashore. We're told that they were not far from land, about 300 feet, but it's still quite a swim. Peter just couldn't wait. And it was here at this very beach at Capernaum that Jesus asked Peter a simple question. And he asked it three times, but you probably don't know what he asked him. Before I go into this, you need to remember Peter's shame. Three times Peter had refused that he even knew Jesus. As they walked up those steps to Caiaphas's house, Three times he had let Jesus down. Three times he could not count the cost. He denied him. And it broke him when that cock crow, Jesus turned and looked at Peter and we're told that Peter just crumbled and he wept bitterly. So now Jesus asked Peter, do you love me, Peter? And Peter answered, no. Did you know that? Well, he effectively answered no. You see, the word that Jesus used here was agape, which is a word of a love of great cost, a sacrificial love. And Peter, knowing that he'd already proved himself unable to do that, said, Lord, you know I like you. He used the word filio, not agape. Filio is a love of friendship, not a sacrificial love like agape. He was saying, Lord, I'm not sure I can do the sacrifice thing. Fear got too much for me before, but I really, really do love you as a friend. So Jesus asked him again, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter again answered, Lord, I filio you, but I'm not sure I can agape you. And this is what I really love about Jesus, is that he then met Peter where Peter was at. He said, OK, Peter, the third time he asked him, do you filio me? Do you like me? Lord, Peter said, you know I filio you. Then Jesus said, feed my sheep. Twice Jesus asked, do you love me in a way that might cost you? And once he asked, do you love me as a friend, but without the cost? By the way, Peter really did aggravate Jesus. He would die for his great friend years later in Rome. He was to be crucified, but he asked to be crucified upside down. As he said, he was not worthy to die in the same way as his, his great friend and our hero. Only a true and living and risen Jesus could have drawn out such loyalty and sacrifice from this particular disciple. Nearly all of them were to be martyred. A dead man who never did rise again could never engender such love and loyalty and commitment. He told them that they were soon to go to Jerusalem together and they were to wait. And as you wait, I'll send you the promise of my Father who will come upon you and provide you with God's power for what you need to do. Well, a little while later, Jesus did take them to Jerusalem just before the Holy Spirit was to be poured out. And Jesus led them out eastwards, not too far, but he led them to Bethany here. And here Jesus blessed his disciples. And while he was praying for them, he was lifted up into the clouds and departed from them. And we're told that they worshipped him right there. A little later, they returned to Jerusalem, filled with great joy, continuously praising and blessing God. We're told that just as they saw him go, we shall see him return, descending on the clouds, and his feet shall once again tread upon the Mount of Olives. 
he ascended in his new body. We know that one day we will be given new bodies just like his body. A body that won't corrupt, bodies that can be transported in an instant. Science today knows that this is possible, it just doesn't know how to make it happen. I'll have hair and I'll have abs. I've made a promise to go jogging with my friend Galinis, whose wheelchair will be long, long forgotten, and I will do that. One point to note here is that his new body, Jesus' new body, still had the marks of the old. He was recognisable. The eyes of the two on the road to Emmaus would not need, have needed to be restricted if not. When they met on the beach in Galilee, they had breakfast together, grilled fish. You see, it's very real. They weren't spirits or apparitions. Jesus wasn't a spirit or an apparition. He was and is a fully re-embodied spirit. It could disappear, this body at will, move through locked doors, but it was a body nonetheless, a body that locates Jesus in one place at a time. He could still be touched as Thomas discovered. Our Messiah is alive in a body. What a marvellous hope we have. What an amazing truth. It's an uncomfortable truth for many. You see, if he's still alive, then we have to change our lives. We will one day answer to the living Jesus. If he's alive, then it confirms that everything he said was true. He will one day judge all of us. But the truth is this, he is risen, and that changes lives. What a hero. I've done a series of seven talks on the life of Jesus, and you can find them on YouTube. I can hardly stop talking about him these days. You know, I know Britain's most violent prisoner, he was so violent, he was banged up in the highest category cell, in the highest category prison, and three prison officers minimum had to enter his cell at the same time because he would kill them if he got a chance. And he had killed a, a prison officer once already. And in that prison, he met the risen Jesus, and he was utterly, utterly transformed. Still in prison today, he'll probably die in prison, but he will die and go from that place to meet his risen saviour. He spoke to Jesus in his cell and he found that he was alive. And that's the greatest proof to me that Jesus can change men and women from the inside out. And the resurrection makes sense of the cross. We have a risen and a living saviour. Let's preach the risen Jesus. This world needs to know that he is alive. It gives hope. Let's preach Jesus Christ from the empty tomb. It makes a world of a difference. What an amazing hope we all have. It makes me want to echo Jesus' first recorded words after he rose. Do you remember? He spoke to Mary, or the two Marys, and he simply said, Rejoice! I won't know whether to weep or to rejoice when I meet him, but rejoice is a good start. God bless you all. And when this lockdown is relaxed, I'd love to come back to Tadley and come and say hello properly. Amen. Well, pretty powerful stuff.
Um, we will pass on our thanks to Dave Rebet uh, for sharing that. That that uh, really gives a like a depth, a real sort of historical picture, and some of those, even some of those photographs, and of course a lot of them are taken uh, today. Um, you know, just give us a bit of a sense of those places, um, and 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 you know those experiences, and and you know just seeing maps and seeing where you know the layout of Jerusalem and explaining you know where you know the Gethsemane was and and then the meaning of Gethsemane is, is, is was very powerful so so we will pass on our thanks so before we go to the chat summary which will happen um after uh, the worship song I think Jonathan's got a, a final worship song for us so I'm going to hand over to Jonathan are you ready I've just swallowed my water down a long way <laughs> perfect timing <laughs> okay. Let's finish with a rip roaring Easter song. Thine be the glory.
Thank you, Jonathan. And now I'm going to head over to Helen. And you, Helen, you're going to summarise some of the chat this morning. Yes, yes, I will. Um, to begin with, there was um, general happy Easter's from people to everybody. Um, there was a specific thank you from Rachel to everyone who had prayed for her. Um, she's grateful for the practical help she's received and overwhelmed by the love shown. Um, there was huge gratitude reflected in the chat for Jonathan's leading us in worship. Um, comments reflecting on the sense of the anointing of God and that we were quickened and transported into an awareness of his presence. In response to Dave Rebet's message, fantastic, so clear, inspiring, fascinating, the biblical and geographical details were um, enabling us to just enter in that fantastic story. And just finishing off since I've come live, uh, thanks again to, to Jonathan for the worship and to everybody for just such a brilliant Easter service. Thank you. Thank you, Helen, much appreciated. Yeah, and thank you for all those sort of helping behind the scenes. Uh, thank you so much, Carmen, as well, for doing the words. That very, very smooth, uh, perfect. Uh, thank you for Greg doing the, the Zoom hosting. And bless you all this Easter time. I believe, I think Greg's organizing breakout rooms now. So bless the church, enjoy your Easter Sunday and your Easter uh, weekend or the rest of it ahead.